You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig and I'm joined by Chris and Laurie. Hello guys. Hello. Alright, Greg's taking another week off so it's just us three again. Well, shocking. He's a skiver. I will. It's 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 working. Motherwell continue to <laughs> continue get the results. As Greg's away. Yeah. I so I've got a I've got a busy podcast this evening. I'm not sure if we'll be able to get through everything, but we'll obviously need to cover Celtic and Europe, the SPL, a wee bit on the SFL, possibly discuss Euro 2020 and uh, an interesting proposal for that from Platini. We'll discuss Rangers boycott, a charity bet. Touch on the, the Scottish Cup replays that are played midweek and then end on the SPL predictions. So a, a good place to start would be Celtic last week. And Chris, I bet you enjoyed yourself that evening. Oh, that was all right. <laughs> that was all right, yes. Just all right. Champions eh? League last 16. Oh, well. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, I, I see of uh, the six games, I've watched. I've either been at the game or I've watched them in the telly, but of the six games, that was one of the strangest feelings the entire day. It was that sort of the build up to the game. You're getting nervous, trying to distract yourself, and then you get to the game yourself. You take the lead through a fantastic finish with Hooper, even if it was a, a bit of a defensive cock up. Uh, uh, that happened a few times actually. They they must hit the ball. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, Gary Hooper scored through outside the box. That in itself, for every occasion, <laughs> he's not, only done it twice. I was about to say it was only the second time he'd actually done it. He surprised the keeper, I think, because he took it so early. Aye. I think that's what it was. Maybe another touch and he might have went a bit too wide. Aye, possible. But I, took, I mean, took it early. Great finish. Well, absolutely. First class. And then we go and concede that kind of... It was a poor goal to lose, I thought. But, I mean, it showed the kind of abilities of the uh, and uh, Ari up front that were causing us problems all night. Emineke was, was solid. You see oh. Kyle bounce off him. Aye. <laughs> I thought he was what? really he pretty much ragged all uh, Ambrose the entire game, I thought. Yep, he was very impressive. Thought, was it just me or did he was... have a really massive head? <laughs> I've seen you mention that, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I was just watching. I just thought he had a really big head. I don't know what it was. <laughs> he faded near the end. That's one thing about him. But His head? I <laughs> I, well, see, I, I've heard a few people saying that they faded, but I think it was... Celtic changed the way they were set up in the second half. They, they kind of stopped having Samaras up front and he went out wide, so we almost switched to a kind of 4-5-1. And doing that seemed to give us more control over the midfield, so we kept the ball away from Emineke and Ari, and that just let us push on. And then, of course, uh, there was uh, rumours flying around uh, Celtic Park all night. There was a loud cheer at one point, because everybody thought Barca had taken the lead. Obviously, that never happened. And, uh, other times during the night, there was people saying Benfica taking the lead. I kept looking at my phone, expecting my dad to text me because he was watching the Barcelona game at home. Do you get a, a signal in Celtic Park? It comes and goes. But certainly on a European night, it seems to go more than it comes. Sounded like uh, Benfica. I mean, I wasn't watching it, but I was looking at up, uh, like actual text updates and, and like the stats of the game, and it sounded like Benfica were all over Barca at points. It didn't sound like Barca were. I the heard that from, was... from you, Laurie, but I, I watched maybe the last 10 minutes and it, Barca were on oh, top. I don't know about the second point. half. I mean, I was yeah. kind of, I had it open for the first half and it was just coming up Benfica. T- and had, at one point it was Benfica 10 attempts and Barca won. And I, I mean, it doesn't always tell the whole story, but it, it just it did from look like the updates I was seeing that it was Benfica taking the game at them. But mm-hmm. It is hard to tell when you're not actually watching it, obviously. They showed the highlights of the first half of the Barcelona game at the stadium, and we all sort of stood and looked at it and went, "How about if we can no win in this?" Because <laughs> they had a few decent chances, and actually, given how they played against us in Lisbon the previous uh, match day, it was one of those games where what, they should have hammered us in Lisbon. Let's face it, but their shooting was terrible, and they were they seemed to carry that on in, in the Barcelona game. But they never got as many chances against Barcelona. Well, having said that, the, the chances they did get, I mean, there was a good save from uh, Pinto onto the, the post, and I think that was probably the best chance. But I'm, I'm told in the second half, Barcelona were a lot better. Than well, they, they, <laughs> well they, brought a certain, they brought a certain player on as well, which maybe made them Aye. a bit more dangerous at the end. He ended up injuring himself, and he got a wee bit of a tangle with the keeper, and he managed to get 
past him and got a shot in, but then I think it was all a twist in, so and he ended up going off injured. But he managed to make the game at the weekend, and that's him beating Gert Miller's record, record yep. in a calendar year. Is that 86 goals? 80, 86 got? goals in 2012, and we're not even finished yet, so that's not bad going. Yeah, I will Time to hit <laughs> <laughs> Aye, right, so going back to the Celtic game, and Aye, what penalty. about the penalty? Aye, was it a penalty? Aye, I think so. It was clumsy for the defender. He kind of ran over and just sort of put his foot on Samaras and pushed. Do you not think that Samaras was going down before he, he got touched up? That's I can the way I, I, I can understand why people are coming for that, but I've, I find Samaras can look very awkward when he's on the ball. And he almost looks like he's always off balance. Mm-hmm. One thing, so uh, I've seen it and I, I thought he was going down before he got the touch, but for me, I think the foul was still there. So I would, I'd go for the penalty, but then also... Ha- the ref should have had a wee word with Samaras and says, "Look, behave yourself. Stop your diving." See, I, 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 I actually, I missed the actual penalty decision. I saw the penalty getting taken, and I've, I actually forgot to watch it, so I've never seen it. But I, it was when you said that in the forum. You can't. You were saying that it was a, it was a penalty, but then you would want to speak to the player about diving. So, well, you can't have it both. You can't say it's a. Oh, you can know because well, he was diving before he got filled. So I, so that wee split second, I would say, look. You're just simulation, behave yourself. But then because he got filled, it's a penalty. I just think that's complete contradiction by the ref then, though. He can't see it. No, it's a new rule that I'm going to introduce. Sounds good to me. I think that's a good idea. There is a lot of times that it's a foul, but the player was looking for it. But, like, see, I, can't, I can never tell with Sam this. But, uh, yeah, then Chris Common stepped up to take the penalty and it was that brief moment in time when everything seemed to stop as it hit the bar. I almost <laughs> cracked the bar up the way. Aye. It was it was one of those moments in time where I can actually I, I, I felt like I looked around the stadium and there was just silence and the whole time stopped until I seen it bounce down and up into the net and it's only when it hits the roof of the net you go ah it's, it's fine it's <laughs> safe. Yeah, I was hearing that well Chris Commons was saying afterwards that he thought it was one 0 to Barca at that point, yeah. so he thought a draw was going to be fine. So I wonder if that that settled him. I wonder if that's why he took the penalty the way he did. Because he thought, right, well, we've got the draw, we're through anyway. A goal is obviously a nice wee touch, but there's less pressure than, than obviously Lennon was feeling. He couldn't even watch the penalty. I know. But having said that, I, I think uh, Commons also said that he considered just thinking it in the middle, like a, a pierlo, but uh, changed his oh, mind halfway God. in the run. What? And I thought, you never change your mind. <laughs> Aye, that's so. Everybody that's says that. You never change your mind on a penalty. I've seen dodgy YouTubes where the f- person changes their mind and they fall over the ball. <laughs> Aye, that's uh, it's penalties are. Ugh, see penalties like that. They say it's well taken when they score. It's like when they drill it down the middle and there's a good penalty. It was, it's not a good penalty if the keeper stands still. It's penalty. Exactly. I, I sometimes say that if a penalty hits the side net, then you can say oh, it's a well taken penalty with power. But a lot of the yeah. time, they it's just luck to do with what the keeper does you know because if the keeper stands there and just puts his hands up he tips it over but he moves so penalties is, oh, there's a lot of luck in it but as long as you hit the target I mean it's when you miss the target is the the big issue because then you're well then you're not then there's no chance it's going in but yeah. blasting yeah. it is it's one option to do it the one time I've taken a penalty in a in a competitive football game that's what I did did you score? I did actually but it was it was like school football and the keeper actually moved out of the way because I just hammered it down the middle <laughs> I don't think it was it's a competitive game that the <laughs> only time I've ever taken a penalty was in a shootout and, I, I, and my penalty went in off the post it's perfect oh this was a shootout as well actually yeah against, against the keeper who, hang on have I said that before against the keeper who would one day actually be Celtic third keeper briefly but... who was that Sandy Wood I don't think he ever got anywhere near the first team but he was <laughs> he was in the youth team for a bit I think he's at Montrose now I don't recognise him Aye, so that's Celtic through in it, through to what some are calling the second round. <laughs> it was some are calling the, the sweet sixteen. <laughs> Aye, so when's the draw? It's in the twentieth. They're waiting till the, the Europa League's finished. Ah, right, right, okay. And that's still got an hour round to go, I think. I'll let them off with that then. What do you mean until the Europa League? Europa League group stage is finished. Is it? Yeah. Oh well, just what I know. I've no idea where they went to the twentieth. Somebody told me the Europa League started a week to go. Bless uh, us. The, unless there's an odd fixture to to be done, but the on the whole they're finished. Unless there was any called off that needed to be finished, but I don't know. If only we had some kind of online resource <laughs> that we could look up. 
Well, I assure the BBC is saying no fixtures in the next seven days. Oh, no, no, no I assure you that unless, well, I know that they're all meant to be finished, unless there was some games called off. I know they played the Videoton Sporting game on the Friday because it was called off for the Thursday, but no, well, well all the groups are finished. Maybe they're just keeping it the way the club, the, the FIFA club, cup thing. Oh, that, that important. Oh, that's, that's on the BBC, I noticed, but the kickoffs are like 10 in the morning. That's because they play in Japan, do you know? Or is it Qatar these days? Or I'm not sure Dubai where it is. It's that important. Even... There's a thread on the forum. Yeah. The last I was talking about it. Anyway, we'll move on for Celtic. Because we'll discuss them, I'm sure, <laughs> after the... Move draw. on to Celtic and talk about Celtic. Yep. I will, we'll, move, I will move away from Celtic and then focus on Celtic. Yep. Right, Chris, give us your award-winning SPL review. Award-winning. <laughs> I'll, I'll think up an award that I can give you to make that factual. Sounds good. So we'll, we'll start off at Rugby Park for the Saturday lunchtime game then. Where, uh, Celtic having booked their last 16 place in the Champions League, travelled down to Kilmarnock looking to avenge a previous European hangover defeat. But if Kilmarnock thought they could follow up their first win at Celtic Park in 57 years, they were going to be disappointed. Scott Brown opened the score in the first half and some terrific passing moves from Celtic got goals for Joe Edley and George Samaras in the second half, which made the points safe. The Samaras goal in particular had 22 passes and involved all 10 outfield players. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, a late consolation for Kelly Sheridan did nothing other than give me three points in the predictor. Thanks. <laughs> so moving on to the 3pm kickoffs, Aberdeen travelled to Tynecastle looking to score against Arts for the first time since Derek Young made it 3-0 in January 2010. But uh, it was a little too easy for Hearts to open the scoring as Ryan Stevenson was, uh, was putting away a penalty after it was awarded for a Josh McGuinness foul and Ryan McGowan at a corner. I don't know what he was doing. A weak cuddle. And then Callum Parson doubled the home sides lead in the second half. And uh, the scoring ending there means it's now nine games without a goal for the Aberdeen against Hearts. 15-0. Perhaps the biggest shock of all was Hearts playing two strikers for the start and neither of them scored. <laughs> uh, so up in Inverness, uh, it was Inverness hosting Hibernian. And the Ross Draper first half header completely unmarked gave the home side the lead. Lee Griffiths, who was fit after coming off from last week's derby, looked the most threatening for the visitors, but was denied by the Inverness keeper. And the quarter an hour remaining, Richie Foran doubled lead before Billy McKay, he scores when he wants, clinched the points that moved Inverness ahead of their opponents into second place, three points behind Celtic. At Firth Park, Motherwell hosted Ross County, and it was Rocco Quinn that gave the visitors the lead with a cracking effort in off the bar. Michael Higdon levelled the game as a powerful header. Nicky Law then gave the home side the lead just after half time, after running half the length of the park. Completely unchallenged, but then Rocco Quinn levelled the game again in the second attempt with Eddie Deflection. It wasn't exactly the prettiest of goals, but they all count. But it was Motherwell's day as Keith Lazo's first goal of the season, eight minutes for time, gave Motherwell just their second home win, moving them up to third in the league. And in the Battle of the Saints, we had uh, St Marin hosting St Johnson. Murray Davidson gave the visitors the lead after 15 minutes, but Stephen Anderson straight red card and Chris Miller's second yellow made life very difficult for the visitors. But despite being the nine men, they still managed to pull off a 1-1 draw, where the only goal they managed to get was through uh, Paul Dummett equalising after a cracking strike for Kenny McLean was saved by the keeper, but uh, Dummett followed in. St Murray couldn't make the two-man advantage count, so I had to settle for the draw, which at least gives them another point, moving them level with Ross County and sixth ahead of Dundee, who played in the final game of the weekend against Dundee United in the derby. Uh, it didn't go too well for them, unfortunately, though, as uh, despite starting well, Keith Watson opened the scoring for Dundee United. Dundee then had a great shoot for a penalty after Brian McLean's handball was waved away for the home side. Well, that wasn't the only decision that would go against them, as the turning point really came with 20 minutes remaining when Stuart Armstrong was filled in the box. Willie Colm had appeared to play advantage, and as John Daly hit the shot, and he got saved by Rab Douglas, then Willie Colm blew for the penalty. Daly dispatched the penalty himself, and as if Dundee's day wasn't bad enough, a wall flood shot was going absolutely nowhere near the target until it hit Kel Benedictus and ended up in the back of the net. So another 3-0 defeat for Dundee to their city rivals. I think it'd be... A good point to discuss the penalties in the Dundee Derby. The Brian McLean, first of all, wasn't given as a handball. For me, it was. Aye, I think he'd completely misjudged it, Aye. possibly due to the sun. 
And uh, it was it was a clear handball, but I think the one person that didn't see it as a clear handball was Ollie Com. And if you're going to be really kind, you can maybe blame the sun on that one as well. I think if I think if the ball, I think if he's stayed, if he's, I think if it hits his arm in that position and he's he's basically standing still and he's the play and the ball's coming at him at a pace from like a few yards, you you, you can take it into account and you can not give us a penalty. But the ball's travelling a long way into the box. He's moved himself in an attempt to go for the ball but he's moved himself away for the ball and I think although it's not obviously deliberate I think when you take into account obviously the distance the ball's travelled and his movement which has actually moved his hand towards the ball and his body away from it I think you have to give that as a penalty but there you go yep and then there was the other penalty decision the, the big decision that is causing a lot of upset was at the other end and well I think the 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 key thing here is an understanding of the rules. And, well, the foul occurred when the, the ball was passed to Daly. Daly got the shot away and then the referee blew the, the for the penalty. Now, for me, I always thought that getting a shot away was advantage. Once you got that shot, advantage had been played and it couldn't be called back. But apparently I'm wrong because it happened here. Do you think he should have played advantage? Do you think the, the goal should have been... a the shot should have been advantage, or do you think it should have been? To be honest, back? what he should have done is just given a penalty initially. I think personally, I think that would be the best decision. I don't agree with the decision to play advantage there. When he has played it, the thing is, you can't say it. It's hard to say it's right or wrong. It's interpretation of what is an advantage because mm-hmm. it isn't long. You know, he's he's the play hasn't gone on for very long, but you know. If you say that that's not an advantage, then what you're saying is basically unless they score, it's not about because that's the only thing that that's the only thing that could have happened is that the, yeah. the shot had went in. It's not like he's put the cross in and Dundee have defended it. You know, it's never got to his the pass has never got to its destination. It has. It's got in. He's picked out his man. He's got his attempt in a goal. It's a good chance. It's on target, but the keeper saved it. So if you're not given the penalty and that's and you're playing advantage, and what you're basically saying there is unless the team scores it's not going to be an advantage, which I, I find it hard to agree with. But then at the same time, if I was a Dundee United fan, I'd think, well, you know, we, we probably would have scored a penalty. Well, if they had not been given and you've let us play, you've, you've pulled it back and just let us get that one chance in. So it's, to be honest, as I say, I think you should have just given the penalty in the box like that. Unless a player's maybe one-on-one and he gets pulled back, but he, he keeps going, I can understand why you play on there. But in that situation for a penalty but then I did mention on the forum you can then come across the problem which happened with St Mirren Hearts in the replay last season I don't know if you remember where the ball came in St Mirren crossed it um, the knockdown came in Zalukas handled it down and it fell for Hasselbank who scored but the ref had already blown straight away so he had to pull it back give St Mirren a penalty McDonald saved it Hearts went and scored two goals and went through so there's I can see did he the, get sent off in that instant no, no, it was a booking. It wasn't really deliberate, kind of. But, but one thing I read: if you if it's a sending off, you're not allowed to play advantage. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that. But what I, what I mean by that is that you can see that if he'd blown straight away, once he's blown, he can't then say, "Oh, I'll just give the goal," because he's blown his whistle. Yes. So yeah. if he if he had blown his whistle as soon as the foul had happened and it'd been crossed in and Daly had scored, then we'd be looking at whole and you know, and then he'd missed the penalty. Then they'd be arguing, "Well, why didn't you let us get?" play on because we scored a goal you know and you this is so I can kind of I don't really blame Colin much here it's it's just a really sort of grey area with the rules because what's an advantage what isn't personally I think you should just give him a penalty to begin with but as I say that in itself can open up different problems if the ball does end up in the net so one thing that, that I've seen quite often you probably see it in most games is when an attacker gets a shot away and then gets taken out by a defender and nothing's given, no free kick, no penalty, mm-hmm. because, well, I've always understood it, because the shot was yeah. the advantage. Yeah, a lot uh, of times it happens in the box, a player goes through and he gets a shot in, and as after, as the ball's going to the keeper, a defender takes him out, but the ball's yeah. already been hit, so it's... But then but then you're kind of saying, is that even a foul then? I think it was well, a penalty. But, 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 but I that it should be a foul then, because it doesn't matter, you've got a shot away, you've been fouled, you should get the... Yeah. the, the the free kick or the penalty for it. Yeah. Well, if it happened, it happens all the time when a, a fullback gets the ball and a striker comes in and takes him out and it's a foul and quite often a yellow card when the striker's late and takes him out after he's left, the, left his foot. 
But I, I guess it's it's interpretation of the law, and well, me saying there that a shot is advantage. That's just me interpreting what I see. Yeah, I think Colin was more than us. The, the Dundee manager himself was saying we need clarification of the advantage yeah. rule, and I would I would agree with that because we don't know. We're sitting here now, and we don't know whether mm-hmm. that was the right decision by Wally Colm or if it was the wrong decision by him. Or he, he's clearly he's tried to play advantage, decided it wasn't an advantage, and pulled it back. Now, it's my understanding you can't do that in football, but you can do that in rugby, and it's always been one thing I like about rugby is like you always hear the, the referee having to shout advantage over, mm-hmm. and there's a, there is a sort of clarification there. So if it's been an infringement, you've got a period of time, or it depends how far up the park you get or whatever, between the, the foul happening and the advantage being over, whereas in football we don't have that. It's just kind of the referee's interpretation, as you say, whether it's going to be an advantage or not. One thing I re- that really gets in my nerves is when... Um, if there's if somebody passes the ball to their teammate and then gets taken out and their teammate is further forward but now is isolated and he's only he's the only attacking man yeah. left because his teammate's been taken out, the referees have this nasty habit of playing advantage. It's gonna how's an advantage? He's outnumbered. I, I Unless find, he's Lionel Messi. <laughs> I find that with free kicks as well a lot of the time, especially if you have a decent free kick taker. A lot of the time you see someone gets taken out in a dangerous area, but you know, they keep possession and the ref plays on and they have a couple of passes and someone has a shot when they've got four defenders in front of them. And I always think, well, surely you'd be better given a free kick, you know. And then sometimes I'm like, well, we didn't get a d- decent chance. Should it not be a free kick? So it's... <laughs> as, I, as I say, I don't blame Colm. I, personally, I, I can I said that I, I kind of sympathise with, with Smith and Dundee there. But at the same time, I don't really... I can't really blame the ref because it's very grey. It's not... You can't say he did yeah. it wrong because he can say, well, Dundee United didn't get a goal... And a penalty is, you know, a very good chance of getting a goal. So it's it's just it's just difficult. And I, so I agree with him what what he's saying. You know, he's kind of asking for clarification. Maybe he didn't need to criticise Colin, which he did a bit. But yeah, I, I think we do need clarification of it because what you could be saying then is, well, if he gets a, you know, if it's a penalty, then the advantage is only an advantage if the team score, which seems a bit it seems a bit on it doesn't doesn't necessarily seem very right because yeah. then it's almost like saying, well, what's the point? DB as well just hit it in their own net and then <laughs> you know what I mean I think, I think we, what we're saying is we could probably disagree with Wally Collins interpretation of the rule mm-hmm. but it's hard to argue that it's not the right interpretation yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a wee bit from the, the FIFA law book uh, the referee should consider the following circumstances in deciding whether to apply the advantage or stop play uh, the severity of the offence uh, if it warrants an expulsion the referee must stop play the position where the offence was committed, the closer to the opponent's goal, the more effective it can be. There are the chances of an immediate promising attack and the referee should also take into consideration the atmosphere of the match. So if it's a, if it's a cold February evening and there's, there's only a few hundred at the match, then I don't know if that means he should play advantage or not. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Does that count? It's three men and a dog gets no offense, but if it's the people in the stadium, it's a, it's a penalty. <laughs> Do you see with the with the advantage, does that mean if it's a second yellow, he has to stop it as well, or does that just mean... Well, oh sorry, I didn't read the full thing. If the infringement wants an expulsion, the referee must stop playing, send off the player, unless there is a subsequent opportunity to score a goal. Well, what? Wait, wait, wait. But, what? So he doesn't. Even if it's a straight red, he can still play at advantage if there's going to be an opportunity to score. But that's a strange because then what if contrad- he doesn't score? And then what if play goes on for oh, another right. ten minutes? No, that long? makes an element of sense. So you can't send somebody off for stopping a goal scoring opportunity if they didn't really stop the goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. But that's... then what if play goes on for another ten minutes, for example, and the ball doesn't go out of play? This guy's running about, knowing mm, I'm going to get a red card the second the ball goes out. There's a game I'm trying to remit. Need... Well, maybe the argument is he doesn't get the red card, though. Maybe. I've always wanted it to happen in FIFA when I play, but it never does. You always get sent off. No. I'm... Never plays on. I, um, I need to find a game. Continue. I need... It's a Hearts game right. to find because I'm sure there's a Hearts game against Dundee United about 10 years ago. And I'm sure I can remember Dundee United committing a foul, Hearts going on and scoring, and the ref then sending off the Dundee United player for the foul in the build-up. Right, that's going to be some search. I was I was wanting to mention yeah. uh, Rocco Quinn's goal, a thirty yarder. Absolute peach. It was, but I've got to blame the defender because he didn't really close him down at all. He just he dilly dallied and he wasn't really sure what to do. Oh, it wasn't even the worst goal in that game for not closing down. What was the Nicky Law run of it? <laughs> I was it was a shame because uh, Viger's done a, a nice wee bit of skill. 
and then passes the ball and I think it a uh, was it Quinn? Rocco Quinn actually, aye. Yeah. He'd done the pass which is well shot and Nicola just ran away. After <laughs> <laughs> what's in the park. Yeah. It was a good finish, but the time we got into the box, mind you, just kind of slotted under the keeper. If that was me, I would have collapsed. I'd have been knackered. <laughs> it happened to me once when I was, uh, I was playing left back and I ended up, it was a break, and the guy played it down the wing, and I remember swearing, swearing at him because he'd hit it so far in front of me, I had to run all that way. By the time I got to the box, no, there was no chance I was going to get anywhere. got tackled. It's, it's actually more annoying when you put the, the cross in. And the guy you cross it to misses the target entirely. <laughs> You've run the entire way through the park as left back. Right, I'll maybe move on to discuss the SFL while Laurie's busy looking away from. No, that. no, we can sorry, we continue, continue the SPL. And the, back to before, start. Just before we move on, I, I just want to mention the the, the lovely uh, replay that Sports Scene had of our uh, third goal with the twenty two passes, where they played it quick. It was like quick motion instead of slow motion. <laughs> played it twice as normal speed. All oh, right, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just watched it online on YouTube. They do that Mystic, sometimes. Mystic Mystic classic. Classic. Yeah, they, 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 they wanted to show all the passes. Yeah. That's normal in England, is it? When you see Swansea, I have a little counter as well sometimes to show how many passes there are. But uh, mm. what else happened on Saturday? Uh, nice, nice win for Hearts, which is typical. I couldn't even go to the football, couldn't even check the scores or listen to it, and we actually scored twice and I win. What was going to happen? <laughs> uh, but I, right, what's Aberdeen? That's that's fifteen nil on aggregate. In the last uh, nine games, <laughs> but I thought we deserved it. I mean, uh, the penalty, another penalty. Uh, it's one of these ones again where I, I, I think it's pretty soft. It's, it's technically a foul, but oh, it was a cuddle. That's foul. definitely a foul. The problem, it's in the, it's in the rules. The thing no is, cuddling. The thing is, there's, that, there's so many fouls that get committed at corners that it does, it does open up the same. Well, if you start giving them for everything, every foul in a box on corners and you're going to be given five or six penalties a game. But I think McGuinness makes it too obvious and the referee's standing next to them and he puts his arm around his neck, you know, it's like... It, it's, it's, it's like he doesn't know the referee's behind him. Aye, it's just too obvious, you know, I mean, you see them do it all the time, but maybe it's the fact that he's a goalkeeper come striker, come defender, that he's not very sly about it. But, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was actually a, a decent performance. I mean, I watched the whole game replayed on Alba and it wasn't exactly the best game in the world, but... I thought we deserved it, and um, it does make a difference. I know that strikers didn't score, but I thought Sutton just caused them so much problems. And you know, under John McGlynn, we're not going to play amazing free-flowing football. I don't expect that. But if you at least you got a striker up there, it does give you that out ball if you do need to play it, play it long or play it in the channels at some points. And I thought he held the ball up well, it caused Irene defenders a lot of problems. Him and Smith worked not too bad, and it just frustrating because. We're not, we're, yeah, why hasn't he done it before? It's, <laughs> it's December now, and that's the first time he's played the two up front together. I think he's been forced to because the fans have been speaking out and started basically making their voice heard at the games about it. The, the press have been, I don't know if you heard him in the press in the week, it was a bit embarrassing, but uh, having a go at Sutton, saying he's not a proven goal scorer. <laughs> said to the journalist, uh, right. uh, are you a proven journalist? Were you a proven journalist last year? He basically started looking into Sutton for last season, saying last season that he's not a proven goal scorer. And what that's going to help his confidence. Exactly, you know, he oh. had he had what half a season at Hearts, and then he was saying yeah, for the one of it. So I mean, what fourteen goals average a season in all his years in Scottish football, but one average half a season where he was kind of in and out of the team. That's automatically means he's no longer a. So I thought it was a bit unprofessional, and he, I've, I've never been impressed with McGlynn's dealing with the press, to be honest. But you know. We won, so it's Aberdeen though. I mean, if if we stop beating Aberdeen, then it's going to be. <laughs> you know what? For, for all John McGlynn's handling in the press, it does. It, well, he's going to have to go something to beat uh, Kenny Shields <laughs> and his uh, his his wonderful throwing effort last week. <laughs> oh, I he managed to catch a few folk out, but surely everybody knew that he was on the wind up. Oh, he just he gets on my nerves, so I do, I don't even avoid all his. It was, it was Pascali was obviously yeah. suspended for two games yeah. and well, he, he, was, he, he gets sent off after three minutes in a game that lasted 93 minutes so obviously that was one game <laughs> ah, he says he's going to speak to his chairman but yeah. he, he reckons he'll be playing him against Celtic and <laughs> it's obvious come on eh? but aye there was a few folk tricked by it I love the way it kept going right up to the point that Pascali was on Twitter saying you still think I'm going to play <laughs> 
fault. I really hope that the folk were getting as worked up as I suspected. Oh, they wouldn't cheat. start the game though. They wouldn't. The ref would get the team sheets and he go, "He's not playing." And what are they gonna do? Ah, he is. No, he's not. He wouldn't start the game because he go, "I can't start the game. You've got a player who's suspended." It would just be stupid. The best it was, I would, even then, we, we still managed to uh, almost win 3 0, which would have been the, the result had we not uh, they, they fielded an ineligible player. They, um, yeah. they could have uh, that last goal. They should have just done what we used to do in amateur football. You know, you, you, you couldn't play trialists in like league games in amateur football. So stupid. So, what you used to do is if a few players called in sick or whatever, You'd have to. You just, you just get someone new along and just put them down as right. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be John this week. Right? Uh, just is that a ringer? <laughs> is that what that's uh, called? Because well, because uh, you're supposed to provide the photos, everyone. But the ref just looks at the team sheets and makes you. But I remember sometimes in the game they're like, "Remember that you're called X such and such." Like, really? Do I have to pretend I'm called that throughout the game? My mate at work, he got caught for doing that. Uh, he he got asked to play and he was suspended, but he played, <laughs> he played for this other team and he got caught. But then they, he said that the other team paid the fine for him because he was saying, that's nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll, I'll move on to the SFL just for time. Yeah. There's not much happening in the SFL because the weather was, wasn't was kind to Scottish football. There's only two games in the first division and the Fairman slipped up big time. So Partick will be chuffed with that. They've extended their lead at the top, if that's possible, since they didn't play. But I suppose they're only on top in goal difference. So they, 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 uh, they extended the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but it kind of does. And then in the second division, there was only one game they got played, and that was Arbroath Stennis Muir, which was a draw to a piece. And then in the third division, well, we've got some undersoil heating on the go at Ibrox, so there was no chance that was getting called off, especially with the 140th birthday party. Which... Uh, more like 140 days, as the banner for the Sterling Albion fans said. <laughs> Oh, did they have a banner? I didn't see. Well, it was like individual letters they had. It was a good picture, of it? Oh, right. No, I've not seen that. That's quite good. Because I was at the game, but uh, we were at the pub and drinks ended up. I was late. About two minutes into the game, I turned up, so I missed the display. But I would have been. I wouldn't have got a good view because I was in the govern stand. But uh, it was good. Andy Gray at half time introduced quite a few legends: uh, John Gregg, Richard Goff, Michael Moles, Amoruso, to name but a few. Were they in town to start their legal proceedings against the club, were they? <laughs> the, 60, the 67 players. Is that why they were there? I right? <laughs> hope they were paying their loans. <laughs> That's what it is. Amoruso said he'd travelled 17 hours to get there just for that. Where did he walk Fair from? Play. Did he walk? <laughs> it's always good banner. But I enjoyed that. Rangers are rubbish, though. But they won. <laughs> you know. Aye. That's revenge for the, the defeat they got at uh, Sterling Albion a couple of weeks back. That's it. I was out for drinks with Sterling Albion fans before the game and oh, they were loving that. Apparently they got mugs printed with a scoreline <laughs> on it. I don't know if this was official memorabilia or whether they just done it themselves, but there was one guy who said he bought four and he was handing it round in his office. <laughs> That's some way to celebrate. Aye, so skipping back a bit, I in the first division, I was hearing today that Dunfermline are going to be doing a share issue, hoping to raise between 300 and 500 grand. Great idea. Where they get that? To sort out their, their cash flow issues. But that sounds a lot of money. That I, what what money. I don't get, there's so many teams in the SFL doing it. Like, well, it's not just the SFL. Parts, Dunfermline, Rangers, they've all got share prospects that basically say, we need, we need to have a share issue for cash flow. So what are you going to do when that cash runs out? Have another share issue? Yeah, I, I just don't, I, I can't see them getting that much money. I don't think that they've got enough fans who are willing to put their hands in their pocket, especially at this time of year. Yeah, it's, it's Christmas. Money. You have no money in January, that's for sure. Especially not to spend on a, a football club that's going to, you're not going to get much return on it. Uh, it's interesting. But I will. Having said that, I hope it works out. Oh, I'd be sad to see them firmly go. They're a decent sized club. And, well, if the SPL was enlarged, I'd, I'd hope that they were in the top tier. So would a lot of my mates because they like the Brideys up there. <laughs> I take it the SFL didn't change their rules in terms of the late payment of wages or anything. Because I know Dunfermline have been paying them late this season. and they're def- Not that I've heard of, no. Just, uh, just, uh, it's one of, the, one of the heated discussions on the forum is often about the, the cheating of hearts with their late payment. But <laughs> Oh, cheat is, is it cheating? Nah. Nah. Right, I th- Maybe move on to the 
the topic will hopefully fit in a couple of topics if we're quick. But the first topic is Euro 2020 and the idea that there won't be a host country or host countries and instead the tournament will take place across cities across Europe. And one of the reasons for this is because the participants are increasing from 16 to 24 and therefore the host country or countries would have to submit. I think the, the draft proposal was nine stadia, uh, two over 50,000, three over 40, four over 30,000. And I think that that's going to be a struggle for a lot of countries to do that, even if you're going with a, a, a dual bid or, or even three countries going for it. I think it's too much a struggle. So I, I think it's sensible to, to think outside the box and going across Europe, as why long as it's done sensibly. Why don't they just change their stadium requirements then? <laughs> it's just stupid. That's a stupid idea. There's, there's, all you do is don't pick a... You know, it's just hypocritical. When they keep talking, how have they suddenly gone from talking about, oh, let's give it to Russia and Qatar and Ukraine to help develop these countries and build new stadiums and blah, blah, blah. And the next time we go, oh, we can't give it to anyone because, you know, we can't burden them with all this cost. It's like, well, people have spoken out. What about England's and Germany's and all these countries which have got loads of facilities that they would need to do anything? I mean, they're, they're talking about this because they're increasing it to 24 teams, right? But they're doing that for Euro 2016 as well, and France is hosting that themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not as if it's impossible for countries to host it. And just if if, if they're that concerned about it, then slightly modify your stadium requirements then. I mean, yeah. Christ, it's just stupid. It's like, what's it, it's going to be like, it's just going to be like qualifying at neutral grounds or something. You know, all these games everywhere that we know part of the tournament. Because even though, I mean, I've never, I've never been to a, a major tournament. I've never been able to afford it in Scotland rarely there when I've been yeah. <laughs> watching football but I still like I still like the fact that you get this sort of feel that this one country this culture and everyone goes and visits it and and countries benefit from it you know financially as well as I, I, I like that I think it'll just be soulless if it's oh we've got we've got the quarterfinal here in Germany then tomorrow we've got the one in France and then there's one in England and then one in Portugal it's, but what if we've got like the the group stages? What if we have one group which is based in Scotland, and we have perhaps Hamden, perhaps Murrayfield doing that? So we're still getting a slight benefit of being a host country, like and obviously do that. And, and you think they'd give us they'd give us else. a whole group? Do you know how many countries there are? And how do you make it fair? No, what I, what I meant was uh, to do that so that you get allocated a group per country, and then take it from there. So that it's it's bringing the do you know how many countries are in Europe? How are they, what about I don't know off the top of my head, but right now, when they do the host country, they're dismissing most of Europe. Did Azerbaijan not apply for it? <laughs> <laughs> they might get the final. But do you know what I mean? It's just I just think it's an absolutely rubbish idea. Did it not get... Did I not read that uh, over 80% of fans rejected it flat out? Yeah. I'm surprised. Because, I mean, it just completely screws your, your travelling support. Because how do you, how can you justify it at the moment? It was it was bad enough at Euro 2012 where there was a possibility of having to go from what the east of Ukraine to the west of Poland, which was like thousands of miles. But now we're talking about you could possibly have to go from like the east of Ukraine to what Scotland yeah. <laughs> or well, Iceland. Why not, why not go down the route of having uh, there'll be six groups? I think so. Why not just have six cities hosting the 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 group stages and then they're also used to to hold some of the later rounds. And then uh, if, going to... if they can find a good mix, then that might work. But even then, you're looking at teams playing three games in the groups and maybe one country, and then they could be going who knows where for the, the next well, round yeah. of the, the tournament. I, I don't think you can avoid that, but I think that there's ways that you could try and appease the fans. I suppose the problem is that, you know, I'm, I mention all these countries, but I don't know if there was much in the way of interest, so I don't. I suppose they can't force countries to take it. But I don't Aye, know. Be, be, there's going to be countries putting forward what they think they can they can handle. So I'd imagine, like you say, Scotland will be putting Hamden forward because it always puts Hamden forward. I don't know why I hate Hamden. Horrible stadium. Well, the, the SFA we don't need yeah. to rent it. Well, no, because the SFA's babies. It's, it's a rubbish stadium. It's the fourth best stadium it's got in Glasgow, as far as I'm concerned. And I put I put it behind for Hill because for Hill at least has old school charm. <laughs> but Hamden, it's it's not like you can't sit behind the goal and be anywhere near the the, 
action what you can at Celtic Park and the Ibrox. Exactly. It's not even as big as Celtic Park. It's not as big as Murrayfield, which is the biggest in Scotland. It's not even as good as what I was going to say. I've been to a couple of games at Murrayfield and it's actually yeah. been better for football in terms of the atmosphere. And you've got a bit, the stands are a bit at least higher. So when you're sitting up the back, you're not like a million miles away from <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> but at least, I mean, at least it's, if, if you don't understand when a stadium holds 100,000, if you're going to be up the back, you may be a bit, it's only holds 50, Hamden. It's still, it's just so flat. Oh, you know, it's so, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Right, so apart from me saying that it might be an all right idea, I think it's a, a negative from the, yeah. the podcast. I've said that if they're going to do it and it gets to Scotland, I'll go. <laughs> oh, I'll go. Well, that's, that's one positive, yeah. But no, I, I, I would, like what I was saying earlier, I would totally agree with the, like, it's all about the fans mixing, I think. And they get, they get to do that in different, uh, what if it's in one country? Yeah. I mean, when I, I went to the World Cup in 2006 in Germany, and the game I went to was in Hanover, but we stayed in Hamburg. So we got to see, what I think it was Italian uh, fans, they were hanging about Hamburg at the time because their game was there on the Thursday or something like that, and the game I was at was the Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got to mix with different kinds of fans. And yeah. I think as a host nation, there's a bit of pride as well. There was certainly that with Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, well, I think we should move on because we're just looking at the time and we're hoping to squeeze in a second topic. And that is the boycott, and that is Charles Green saying that he doesn't want any tickets for the tie against Dundee United in the Scottish Cup. And this comes on the back of uh, some rumoured boycotts that we mentioned in the podcast last week from various fan groups. But now it's official, Rangers do not want any away tickets. So in return, Stephen Thompson approached Rangers and said, well, if you're not wanting to get any tickets, I take it you don't want a share of the gate receipts. And Charles Green says, no, we do want that, but we'll be giving it to charity. So, Laurie, do you think it's do you think it's right, Rangers? Do you think it's their right to do that? To refuse all tickets as a club? Well, that's their... appears to be their right, they're doing it. But I, I think it's <clears throat> a lot of nonsense from Green again, to be honest. As I've said, I had to established a couple of times in the forum. I would have, you know, I've got no problem if, you know, Rangers fans had said, we're not going, we're boycotting a game, we're boycotting the ground for whatever reason, you know, that's your right to do that. You can only make you go to a game. But I think with the way Green is doing it, which to be honest, I think yet again, he's just pandering to this feeling of sort of injustice in the Rangers fans. I think he just does it because, you know, he's he's a businessman, he's in Rangers because it's Rangers, I think it's a money thing for him. Oh, it's a business yeah, definitely, thing. Definitely, definitely. I think he does this because it makes him look good in the eyes of the Rangers fans. But if he's going to absolutely, there's a difference between all the, you know, even if all the fans, if if they'd taken up the allocation and literally no one had turned up, which I don't think would have ever happened anyway, then fine, you know, fans can't make them go to the game if they want to boycott it. That's their right to do so. But by saying we're rejecting tickets. We're blocking any fans who might want to go from going. That's not going to happen. We're not going to get involved in the ticketing. We're not selling them. We're not accepting them. We're not allowing any Rangers fans to go to this game. And then saying, right, okay, well, Dundee I go, okay, well, that's your choice, right? So we'll just deal with all the ticketing, so that's your share. You don't want that. Oh, no, 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 we want the share. We want our share. And then I think he's been very clever because he said, uh, it's going to go to charity, though. Yeah. Because what he's basically doing is saying, we, we've still got the control here. We're going to deny you 40% of these gates. But we're also going to give this to charity because that way you can't go moaning about it because then you look like a right bunch of heartless so-and-sos because you're taking money from think of the children or whatever it's going. Is it Erskine it's going to? I can't remember. I I, I can't remember. But one thing I think, uh, all of this, I I agree pretty much with everything you say there. I think that the fans should be allowed to boycott if they want. It's their choice, but I don't think the club should be refusing. But one thing I'm critical of is the SFA for not having a rule to cover this because Rangers are acting within the rules here. They can do this if they want. They can say, yes, you have to give us our share. They can do it if they want. The SFA should have a rule. They shouldn't be caught unawares. Surely they can just apply their usual generic rule of bringing a game in and distribute. Well, they've got the rule 47A, which says they can make up any rule at any time. <laughs> what is what you do then? See, see no, if you want to hit Rangers with this one. You, what you do is you hit them with this 47A and whatever it is. Hit them with a dispute charge, fine them, and give the fine to charity. Do they not have... Because he's been so charitable about it. Do they not have like the SPL rule of not acting with the utmost good faith? That was always their, <laughs> that was always <laughs> their fallback. I don't think it's worded it as good as that. But yeah, they can just make up any rule they want. But well, they're awfully quiet. The problem the is, I think it's, it's, it's just digging up again, and it just, 
I think Green, uh, he, uh, he really gets on my nerves. He's, he is like an English Romanov, but without the entertainment value. He, he just he, he just wants to, you know, they keep talking about moving on and stuff, and it's like this it's like this kid who can't get, you know, he's just get, he's got this little grudge they can't get over. He's got to make a point of it. And it's not just, you know, keep talking about it's the principle of being able. It's not. He wants to make a show of it. He wants to make a show of the fact that they've not forgotten and make a big song and dance over it. And I know, I mean, I've heard Rangers fans who are disappointed who wanted to go. And he's actually blocking fans from going. Yeah. And it just seems, and it's just putting more people against them. Because as I said, I've got nothing, this situ- whole situation, I've got nothing, I'm not having to go at Rangers fans for this, you know, like, whether they want to go or not. But it's it's green in the club. They, I think they're just acting like a petty child who's not going to let this grudge go. And what I want to know is, if this was, if they get through and they get Celtic at Celtic Park, I take it they won't be going to that either. Take it a little bit. Well, I, I don't know. Fans are very selective about what games they boycott. So exactly. I mean, it's like, <laughs> so. What, where does it end? I take it they're never going to go back to Tannadice again ever if they get back. Well, they, yeah. They'll be able to go to Fir Park because Motherwell were made to be very welcome. Ibrox Charles Green likes to tell us that. Uh, the team is very welcome with the Rangers as well. <laughs> but no, is there not a case here though that? Okay, so Rangers are saying we don't want to take the tickets. What's to stop Dundee United selling the tickets to Rangers fans? Well, James was asking on the forum, and he was saying that surely Dundee United wouldn't stop that from happening. But then surely that means they need an away section. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but then they can allocate that if they can always. It's actually quite well chopped up that stadium because there's like half a half a stand, well, like a full stand would normally be. Or there's behind the goal, depending well, on how many tickets they want. Surely they must have some kind of indication there. Well, there's some clubs that do that anyway. Heart, yeah. I mean, Hearts have done it before selling directly to some... I mean, Hibs, because they didn't trust us last season, one of their games, they just sold directly to us. Well, Dundee United are a perfect example, because I know that when Celtic play up at Tannadice, there's an allocation that Celtic sell, but there's also an allocation that Dundee United sell themselves to Celtic fans. Because I've got a couple of mates up in Dundee that buy them all that, that way all the time. Uh, yeah, so I've it's not as if Dundee United don't do it. There's not going to be a picket line, is there? They're going to be waiting outside there. That's an awful idea. Well, you think, oh, fads, right. they're not going to go to the game, but they're going to travel through to Dundee, miss the game, even watching it, and stand outside the stadium to not only not go in, but to actually make sure anyone else doesn't go in. It's just... yeah. Right, I, why would you want to go up there and basically try and stop other Rangers fans from getting in? That's just going to start a fight with your own... Support us. See the thing is, I, I think Green as well. I think it's stirring up the whole. And I, like I know that, in essence, they're saying it's not just because clubs voted Rangers not to get back in. But I know for a fact that that rubs. That is that. That is what this is saying to a lot of the Rangers fans. That's what they still think this is. That's what they are taking us as. You, you remember all the things that you'll regret this, you know, and it was like these little threats that you better not get enough. You don't let us in, we're going to remember this. When you... Remember before Rangers died, they used to sing, no one likes us, we don't care. Well, they quite clearly do these days. <laughs> right, can we can we move on from the, the boycott? And... Yeah, let's boycott the boycott talk. Yeah, if, if anyone wants to discuss the boycott and you want to have a little bit of a laugh, if you go in the forum and read through the pages and pages, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll call it discussion. Uh, maybe even debate, a heated debate in there. Uh, right, we'll move on to charity bet. And unfortunately, the games were called off last weekend, so we didn't get anything. We were on a bit of a run, but I think even if we win this weekend, I think it still counts as three in a row because that weekend right. there was non void. void, eh? yep. Do we get a yep. Void weeks aren't a wash, that's fine. Do we, right. Do we get so, a um, I... back? We've got 20 this week then. <laughs> Aye, my bookie got their stake back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kept their stake. Right, so I don't. I think we'll avoid the Scottish Cup because that takes place just well tonight's Monday, tomorrow, and Wednesday night. So I think we should focus on the weekend's games and a game a piece again. I think we'll keep it nice and simple. And I'm going to go really simple, right? And I know you're going to moan, so name moaning, right? I'm going to go for Celtic against St Mirren, one to six. Christ, I've not been prepared at all. Celtic at home in the league. <laughs> you seen us lately? What, what are the odds? One to six, did you say? Uh, yep. They are, they've, they've not got a good... They're not in a good run, but they've not got Europe. They do have a difficult tie in Arbroath. Does that count as Europe? The travelling distance. Well, does that count north. as Europe? Well, it's in oh, Europe, aye. but I don't... They think, need to go on a bus journey. I don't think we call that European football, Greg. No. I think they'll be Greg right. will tell us what Arbroath's like. 
Well, actually, I need to speak to Gary because I've got a ticket for the game. He's banned. <laughs> I are both. Right, Chris, have you right. got a match in mind? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the SPL as well because we've had a bit of a lawsuit, so let's try and stick with games that might actually be on. I'm going to say Inverness away to Dundee United. Oh, what? Aye, right, Inverness on the roll. Right, so I've went for a risky one. You've went for a risky one. <laughs> Come on, what? There's no point. Right. Inverness away at Dundee United. Yep. It's got to be good odds for that. Come on. Um, the odds are good. They're five, five to, to two, two, but yeah. I think they're that for a reason. I don't know. Like, eh, uh, what? Probably McKay. He scores when he wants. Rudy Scatchell. He scores when he wants. Um, Has he scored for United yet? That's not the point. It's not the same. It's not the same when he's not at Hearts. Exactly. Getting back. We're getting back soon. <laughs> uh, Your band must be nearly up, actually. I will, hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> it depends. All depends on six days' time. Well, or from wherever you listen to this, it's, it'll be Monday. It'll be processing the wages. So we'll see next Monday what happens. Right. Hey, pick your team, Laurie. Uh, we've got Partick at home at Wraith. 8 to 15 aren't too bad considering it's Partick. It's also a race. Aye, they've done quite well in the league. Well, they've done that well, they've not won in the last three. But they don't need to win, they just need to draw, and that scuffles a bit. They draw no bet, but no. Uh, Park, they got beat by Dunfermline, but before that they'd won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 on the bounce. So in the last 10 they've won 9 and lost 1 at home. Wraith Rovers have... They've only won one in the last eight away. Some good, good reasoning here, you know. Uh, what else have we got? Sorry, I wasn't prepared. I forgot about the charity bit. I just pick a team, eh? Who's <laughs> got to lose anyway? Because Scatchel's going to score against Inverness and they're going to get beat. Right, no, I don't Score Partick then. Partick, that's right. it. Partick, right, okay. We're going to get lots of money back for this. Oh, it's all right, actually. £62.61. Yeah, that's, my, that's my choice. It's packing that up. It is. It's your choice that saved us. Yep. Even though mine's is just as risky. Right. Right, I will go with that then. Right. Celtic, Inverness and Partick. A treble, ten pound, courtesy of McBookie, and we will potentially win sixty two pounds, sixty one pence. I think we are gonna win a treble. Easy. Right, I was just gonna to touch up on the Scottish Cup replays taking place. Ah, the we called off. By <laughs> Dumbarton Hamilton, Cowdenbeath St Johnson have been postponed this evening. And there's not long for them to be played, so they've both been rearranged for Wednesday evening. Tuesday, we've got Morton, Turriff, United, Inverness against Ross County, Motherwell against Aberdeen. Then on Wednesday night, we've got the televised game, which is Arbroath versus Celtic, which I'll definitely be watching. It's on Sky Sports 1. My mate at work has got a bet on, and he's given me Arbroath minus 3. Or is that plus 3? Do you know what I mean? He's taking Celtic minus 3. I'll take that. I'm not convinced it with that many. I, I don't think they're going to win by, by four goals or more, so mm. I'll take that. I'll take that bet and I'll win a coffee. <laughs> That's how we roll. Are none of the Tuesday games on the telly? Not that I could see, no. That's disappointing. I'd like to have quite watched uh, Inverness Ross County. Yeah. Although well, Inverness Ross County has to be the, the tie of the round, but... That was a belt and first game. Yep. Yeah, the first leg, we'll call it. Right, we'll move on and do the predictions for the SPL. And before I do, I want to mention that there was a couple of correct predictions. Chris, you went 3-1 Celtic against Killy. Yep. Laurie, you went one apiece between the the St Mirren against St Mirren game that you always get confused (laughs) about. Or is it Johnson against St Johnson? I don't know. And I got 3-0 in the Dundee United game. But unfortunately, I didn't put any predictions in. I forgot. I was so I got a zero. Ah, if it wasn't gonna... for it wasn't for Lasley's late goal, I would have got every result right. I got five of the six results right, but had a draw in that game. So yeah, it's close. Well, see, after starting so well with the Celtic game, I ended up getting another point for the other Celtic games. <laughs> uh, you weren't very good. Yeah, I got. I, I took him for the SD one, and that was it. Yeah, I took Dundee one three two, obviously, but Dundee sorry Dundee United to one three two. This weekend we've got a bit of an interesting one in the SPL because every single game is on at 3pm on Saturday and I honestly can't remember the last time that happened because we don't get it on the last day of the season because they, they tend to split it, don't yeah, they? Yeah, on Sunday as well. So, I, I I can't think when that would have been. 
But anyway, that's the case. Uh, first game up is Aberdeen against Killy, and I'll, as usual, I'll go first with my prediction. I'm going to go for a home victory, 2 1. I'll go 2 0, home win. What were we looking at, sorry? Um, Aberdeen versus <laughs> Killy. I was still trying to find that Hearts game, that's why I was distracted. <laughs> I think I found it, but it's, the reports aren't uh, comprehensive. Anyway, uh, Aberdeen Kilmarnock. Uh, Aberdeen. Um, John Tichun. <laughs> Aberdeen win 2-1. Copying me. Did you? I wasn't listening. Then Celtic against St Mirren, and this one is going to have to be a home win for the charity bet. I'm going to go 2-0. Yeah, I'm going 2-0 as well. <sighs> That's what I was going to say. Ah, 2-0. Make it 3, actually. It'll be different. 3, right. Then the next game up is Dundee United versus Inverness, which is the delayed game on Alba. If you're into Alba, I'm not. <laughs> I meant it if it's my team playing, but I just can't. I just can't be doing with the commentary. And I like to listen to the commentary. I like to listen to the banter. I don't like to. Uh, I like to have the sound. Though that's the problem. I, I listen to. I, it's not. This, I kind of watch the game without any sound. You know, without the the crowds. Yeah, that's that's weird. Right. Anyway, Dundee United against Inverness, and well, in the charity bet we went for Inverness, didn't you, Chris? Five yep. to two. All right. Okay. Well, I'll have to go two one to Inverness then. That's what I'm going for as well. 2-1 Inverness. 2-1 Dundee United. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> then the next one's Hibs versus Motherwell. Home win, 2-0. I don't know. Hibs have been pretty rotten of late. I mean, I, I kind of... You could tell, sort of from the highlights, but apparently it could have been 5 or 6 to Inverness easily. They got yeah. Motherwell, are good. Motherwell are usually better away from home. I fancy Hibs to start going off the rails a bit now. I'm going to go 2-0 Motherwell. Uh, I think the bubble's bust with Hibs and all. Hey. 2-1 Motherwell, I think. Right. Wendy's gone 2-1 as well. Right. <laughs> Ross County against Dundee. I'm going to go. It has to be home one. That's, they, they both can't lose, so I'm going to go 1-0. <laughs> I'm Ross going 2-0 Ross County. They both can't lose. It's very, yep. very accurate, yes. Uh, Why don't you go for a draw then? <laughs> No, because I think that Dundee are the, the worst the worst of the two. Uh, I'm going to go with a couple of goals in this one. I'm going to go 3-1, Ross County. Oof, nice. Just a couple of goals there, 3-1. Right, St. Johnson against Hearts. I just don't know. I, I, this is too difficult to call. Hearts are too up and down. Mm. Right, I'm going to, right, I'm going to go for a draw. 1-1. <laughs> 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 you scored two goals. I'm sure you're up now. Hi, <laughs> that's it. Right, I went one-one. Depends. McGlynn might get a bit scared now. He's played yeah. as two strikers, you know. This probably is. Oh, one-one as well. I was going to put nil-nil, but you never know. He might play another. He might play at least one striker against one-one. Right, one-one. Yeah, I'm taking the Paul Band nil-nil. Nil-nil. Good old Paul Band. Right. Thanks for the predictions there. Wendy starting to annoy me with them yelling. I found the hard game that I was talking about, but it's, I can't. It's still unclear. There is a red card at one of the goals, but basically, I found one report on it because it's from two thousand. It's like it's twelve years ago, and it says it's, the goals on seventy-four minutes. So the 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 sentence says first Lily received a second book, and as a consequence, an ordering off, and then McSweegan sent a powerful twenty-yard shot home, three-one. Right. But that that sounds like the the send off came first, but they're both on seventy-four minutes. And I'm certain mm. they allowed the play to go on. McSweegan scored, and then he went back and sent him off. Well, if, um, if anyone knows, if anyone remembers that, you could always jump on the forum and and let us know. It was a second booking. It wasn't a straight red. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure he took out. I'm, I'm sure I remember him taking out Juanjo, and then we went and scored, and then he brought it back and sent him off. See, it might it might not have been a rule back then, or even if it was, the referee might have made a mistake. It's just pretty sad that I actually still remember that. From yeah, Saturday, it is. Saturday the 23rd of December 2000. Right, well, that's just... about it. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, we bit better about it. Well, why we better? We won 3-1. 1-3-1, it was the second <laughs> goal, but it's just, I just specifically remember, I don't know why I remembered that, but oh well. Right, well, that's got to the end, and we managed to fit in two topics today. I think we've done well. I think we should give ourselves a pat in the back. That's just showboating. I want... Which I think discussed in a previous podcast isn't allowed. It was we'll definitely not allowed. But on that, on that note, I watched the, the Scotland versus England game in uh, 67 
And I've, out of that game, one thing I've got to say is Jack Charlton. He's, I don't know how he managed to play on with that injury. He was brilliant. Because <laughs> it was 67, you didn't have any subs back then. <laughs> I said he was off the park for about five, ten minutes getting treatment, and he came on and he was just, he hobbled everywhere. He even scored. And when he scored, he jumped in there. As soon as he landed, he was really, really hobbling. I was, aye, he impressed me. But yeah, obviously the keep you up, he's in that. I wanted to say something about the St Mirren St Johnston game as well. We didn't get to talk about it. Did what you, do you want to say them? about it? Was it Fraser Wright? Did you not see his attempts at stopping St Mirren from uh, getting the game going quickly? No, I, I, I didn't. Did you not see that? Well, you know, you know when someone scores a goal to get level or to get one goal back and they go to get the ball out of the net and players often block it. Well, was it yeah. Gary Teal had actually got the ball and he was running back? And Fraser Wright was running after him and grabbing it off him, though. <laughs> was it? That's where I don't see the big scrap started, and then they got both got booked. But he's actually and the highlights. I was in the highlights. I he was actually the thing is, they, I know they block it or they try and pick the ball up themselves, you know, and stop them from taking it. Oh, but he'd actually got the ball. And he was running back, and he was Fraser Wright was trying to grab it off of him, so he stop him going with it. I thought it was quite funny. It was a bit ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I'll need to watch that. Aye, just good attempts to try and. Uh, it seems like a bit of a, a bit extreme just to stop them getting back to get to kick off, you know. I mean, the opposition, you know, I mean, St. John's are still going to have to kick off. It's not like they're going to take a quick kick off, is it? This seemed bizarre. There you yeah. go. Right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast once again, and thanks to everyone who listens. Yeah. Thanks. If there's anyone out there, <laughs> there's lots of people out there. Absolutely, folk listen. Hunters. Yeah. Hunters. Hunters and Angels. hunters. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks. I might go and watch the Lemmy Show. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Right. Bye then. See you later. Cheers. Bye.